0: All right, well, good evening. Um, we got a few things we need to pray about. So we got two that have COVID in the church. Uh, Kathy Edwards has it, and so does Teresa that sits over here. So we need to pray for them tonight. Um, and then there's sickness going around. It's that time of the year, like what you guys mentioned. Um, and uh, I don't think announcements. We had a great turnout last night. I appreciate everybody that came out and helped. It was awesome. We have, I mean, how many do you think we had, Lisa? Yeah, between 2 and 2.50, so it turned out really good. It was a good, we had a really good evening last night, and uh, I didn't get out of here until 8.30 because my kids still wanted to do a little bit of trunk or treating, so I left real quick, left Stacy here and did some trunk or treating. <laughs> All right, well, let's pray for those that have the COVID, um, those that are sick in the church, and get ready for the service tonight. Father, we just thank you tonight that, that Lord, you are in our midst, and, Lord, as we study your word tonight, give us understanding. Uh, Help us to know what your word says and to put it into practice. As we worship you, help us to get our focus on you and not our surroundings or what's going on in our life. And help us to cast that before your throne. So we honor you, we glorify you, and we praise you tonight in our worship in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship him now. How great, how awesome is he, and together we see sing. everyone sees yes, holy as the Lord. The earth is filled with his glory. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. The earth is filled with his glory. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down. We worship him now, how great, how awesome is he, and together we see everyone sees, holy as the Lord, God Almighty, the earth is filled with his glory. Holy as the Lord, God Almighty, the earth. Fell with his glory, it's rising up all around. It's the anthem of the Lord's renown. Yes, it's rising up all around. It's the anthem of the Lord's renown. And together we see everyone holy as the Lord God almighty The earth is filled with his Glory holy as the Lord God Almighty The earth is filled With his glory Holy as the Lord God almighty The earth is filled with his Glory Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. The earth be filled with His glory. Yes, God. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Father, we pray
2: tonight that you would just fill this earth with Your glory, God. Father, start by. Start by flooding this room, Lord. Father, just fill us on an individual level, God. Father, your word says that where you are, your freedom is, God. Father, we want freedom not only in this sanctuary, God, but freedom in our hearts, Lord. Father, we want freedom, Lord, in you. God, just have your way in this service tonight as we praise your holy name, God just move in a mighty way among us, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen.
1: If tired and you are thirsty, there is freedom. Just give your all to Jesus. There is freedom. Just give your all to Jesus. He's yours i <laughs> i yeah. can feel his mighty power and his grace. of the Lord is in this place. Dennis, play it one time. Let's just
2: take a few minutes just to quieten our minds and our souls and just release whatever it is that's keeping us from God, keeping him from getting just a little bit closer to us. It's such a privilege to be in his house It's such an honor to be in his presence, and we don't want to take the moment for granted. Any time we can get with with Jesus is a good time. Father, we just thank you for your presence, God, and we just allow you to do whatever it is that you're going to do in this place tonight, God. Father, just move us out of the scenario if you have to, but just have your will in our lives, God, and in this service tonight, in Jesus' holy name.
1: Surely in the presence of the Lord
0: COVID or viruses, sickness, uh, physical ailments. Father, I lift up my planner's fasciitis to you. Right? I lift up Rick's knee and gout. I pray, Father, for those that are dealing with all kinds of sickness and pain tonight, shoulder pain, knee pain. Father, you're the God that can heal Lord, I love it in scripture when sometimes you move more in a small setting than you do a big setting. When you touch just that one person that needs a touch from your spirit. So we lift up all those that are dealing with sickness. tonight. lift up Kathy and we lift up Teresa. We lift up my daughter, my wife, others that are sick tonight that I'm not aware of. We pray your healing touch and your power, that they would feel your presence no matter where they're at. God, bring healing, bring power, bring anointing into those places right now. And we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated tonight. I want to, before we get started tonight, uh, um, I'd ask Lisa if she wouldn't mind sharing a testimony. Remember, we had broken up into groups for prayer a few weeks ago. And so, Lisa, would you like to share that? Can you guys, you guys should all be able to hear her, okay? Do you want me to get a mic or? Okay.
3: It really
0: our but, I know God that yeah amen his hand to. That's right. That's right. And that 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 for That's right. Yes, That's
3: right.
0: Yes. Yeah, amen. So I think it's important for us to hear those testimonies, to see what God's doing in our life. And uh, you see me limping around, it's because I've got plantar fasciitis going on here on my left heel. So, yes, Carol. Yes. Yes. Oh, you do? Okay. Okay. Yes. Oh. Amen. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I'm I'll I'll take me off mic. But can we pray for you real quick? Would you guys stretch out your hands, ladies? That's what church is all about. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go with me to Daniel chapter 4. We will get into some of the end time stuff. Um, If you see some of the stuff that's going on in the news right now with Israel, um, I believe it's setting the stage. So if you got a chance on your own, go read Ezekiel 38 and 39. How many of you guys know of this? You know, the Bible speaks prophetically in the future. Of these nations that are going to come against Israel and I uh, we already see this alliance that's happened so go study those nations today google it and find out what those nations are in, in retrospect today because some of them that are named have different a little bit different territory than what they did but you will find out that uh, all those nations in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are in cahoots today and that, so that's Bible prophecy coming to life in our, in our lifetime and some Bible prophecy experts believe that, um, and we don't know the day or the hour, so I don't know how they come up with this, but some have the theory, notice I say theory, that we're going to either be raptured before or during the th- uh, Ezekiel thirty-eight thirty-nine. But again, I don't know where they come up with that. So I think uh, God, God's the only no- one that knows. <laughs> so, all right. So we're in Ezekiel chapter four. Um, I, oh, I forgot. I turned it on, then I turned it off earlier. So... um. And we're in. A, uh, we're going to look at chapter four, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 37. Last time we we looked at uh, uh, the dream, and now Daniel interprets the dream. Remember, he gives Nebuchadnezzar this dream about Nebuchadnezzar. We, we dealt with a pride issue, um, and and how God had uh, uh, revealed this this dream of uh, of this tree that was cut down, but its roots weren't cut down. It was cut down to a stump and it had iron on it, which meant God that was going to preserve that root or that tree stump. Remember, it was a giant tree that all the birds of the air came and nested, that it, and it provided food for all the beasts. And the beast represents not only animals, but people. And so, now we're looking in chapter 4, verses 19. Daniel interprets this dream. Now, understand this. Before I start to read, a lot of the things in the book of Daniel, and something Faith mentioned last week, is symbolic of things that are going to happen in the future. They correlate a lot of times. It's kind of like a mirroring picture. Does this all make sense tonight? I want to make sure you guys understand this. So a lot of the things that you're going to see in Nebuchadnezzar points to uh, an end times Babylonian empire. We call that Mystery Babylon in the book of Revelation. So starting in verse 19, he says, Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time. And his thoughts terrified him, so the king said, "Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, Visible to the old earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the fields, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. Your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one. "'Coming down from heaven and saying, "'Cut down the tree and destroy it. "'But leave the stump bound with iron and bronze "'in the grass of the field "'while its roots remain in the ground. "'Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. "'Let him like the wild animals "'until seven times pass by for him. "'This is the interpretation, O king, "'and this is the decree the Most High "'has issued against my Lord, the king. "'You will be driven away from people "'and will live with the wild animals.'" You will, be, you will eat grass like the cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times uh, will pass by for you until you have acknowledged that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one could hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned uh, to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the kingdom of heaven because everything... He does, is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Let's pray. Father God, as we study the book of Daniel, there's a reason why you want us to study it. Father, I pray that you will give us new insights and understanding tonight, even myself as I I teach this tonight. God, we're learning this together. And Father, you said your word is alive and active. God, help us to, to, to... not only sense the power and the presence of your word, but you speaking to us individually through your Holy Spirit. Father, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me as I teach your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So I've given this, a, a the title is A God-Given Interpretation. Remember Daniel's the one that saw, was able to see the dream. He tells the uh, the, the the king what the dream is, and now he's able to interpret Who the dream is for. Uh, How many of you guys have ever had a dream before? You know, I think I might have shared this, but I'll share it again. Uh, Three weeks before 9-11, same morning, I had a dream that night that I was called back into the Air Force. I was called back in and we went to war against Iraq and there were bombs going off and I was dressed in my desert BDUs. And it was so real, I remember getting up and I told my mom, uh, I said, Mom, I had this dream. Now I understand. After I got out of the service, I lived with my parents for a little bit till I could afford to get my own apartment. So I'm in there in the kitchen, and I said, Mom, I had this dream, and it was so real. And she goes, Well, that's funny. I had a dream last night that I was a lady in a skyscraper, either in Chicago or New York, but I think it was New York. And there was an American Airlines seven. She said, American Airlines. She goes, because I remember seeing the eagle on the back of the on the vertical stabilizer. That's that the one that goes upwards, and you don't get it vertical. Okay. And she said. Uh, and I saw this, it was either 7.57 or 7.67 crashing into this building and I was on the top floor and the floor fell out on me. And she said, so I woke up and she said, I begin to pray. Three weeks later, 9.11 happened. And my mom was confident that morning because I remember, oh, mom, it's a dream. It could have been a Delta plane. And she goes, no, it was an American Airlines, either 7.57 or 7.67. Three weeks later, it was both those airplanes that crashed into the Twin Towers. And then two years later, we went to war against Iraq. And I did get called, but they didn't call me back because I was on delayed enlistment. So dreams are real. Now, that doesn't mean every dream that we have is from God. I mean, some of us have some pretty weird dreams. I'm so glad that they're not made in the movies because it would be all freaked out. But dreams are real, and God gives Daniel the interpretation for it. Now, I've titled this first part of this, Obedience at All Costs. Daniel was perplexed and terrified to share the meaning of the dream. Let's look at verse 19. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. So he's afraid. Now, I think there's a few things. Some of the commentaries uh, talk about why he's afraid, and I'm going to share that in a minute. I think one of them is he's telling the king who can take his life about this dream and who it is. Obedience is important. In your walk with God, no matter what it is, we have to be obedient. His will, his way. Oftentimes, we want to do it our way, right? But God knows what's best. I think I've shared with you before, but I'm gonna share it again. I remember hearing this story on the radio about the man. Remember the man in this airport? And the man was in the airport and he was standing by a Coke machine and he was a Christian and the Lord said, I want you to stand on top of your head next to this pop machine. He said, I am not gonna stand on top of my head in the middle of an airport next to a pop machine, Lord. This is a true story. And he goes, I'm not gonna do it. But God kept nudging him. How many of you guys ever been nudged by God? And he keeps nudging you until you finally... So he finally does it. And he gets looks from everybody. But finally, this girl comes up and she says, Finally, I know God is real. I told God, if you're real, make that man over there stand on top of his head. <laughs> she ended up giving her life to Jesus right there in the airport. Yeah. It's a true story. So obedience at all costs, even when it doesn't make sense. Yeah. The word perplexed here in the Hebrew is... It means to be appalled, to be stunned or astonished. Daniel is astonished, he's appalled and he's stunned that this is going to happen to his king. You remember, he's he's, he's a Jew, but he's grown up most of his life in Babylon. So that's his home now. I like what uh, the commentary says, and I'll show you who it is. I should have put it at the beginning. He saw the design of the dream and he felt the great uh, delicacy of interpreting it. He was not puzzled by the difficulties of it. He felt for the king and for the nation. And with what force and delicacy does he express the general portent? The dream to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. So Adam C. Clarke basically says that he was concerned for the nation of Babylon and for their king. We need to have a concern for our country. Remember, he's Jewish. He's not Babylonian, but he has a concern for the nation that he's living in. We need to have concern for our nation and where it's headed. We need to pray. So Daniel felt remorse for the king and was terrified of what might become of both the king and the kingdom. So God will ask us to do some things that are both perplexing and scary sometimes. This would be a good time for a testimony time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Hey, this is a Wednesday night. We can have a Bible study time, can't we? Can I get a test? Anybody ever have a scary, perplexing, scary time that God asked you to do something that you weren't sure, was this God or was it me? How about you, Faith, going into the mission field? Notice I put Faith on the spot. I'm, I'm hoping that they can hear, so I'll get as close as I can so they can hear online. It, well, and according God, to men, right? Right, but God qualifies us,
3: yes. And so, um, it was very scary. Um, when he called me, I was in the middle of worshiping in my home and he and I <laughs> I was singing to audio adrenaline's hands and feet. Yes. You know? I'll go where you send me. And all of a sudden the Lord said, Will you really? Will you go? And I'm, I I mean, I literally stopped and looked up and I'm like, What? Who me? I'm divorced? I mean, I don't have a Bible degree. I don't have anything. And, um, yeah, but I went and talked to my pastor, and thank God he was—he uh, didn't discourage me. He just told me, don't go buy a ticket and just jump out there. You may read of people do that, but most of the time it's a process. Yes. And so it was a long process, but, yeah, I started going on. I had never even been on a missions trip, <laughs> not even a short one. And so I went. You know, so the very first time that I went on that short-term mission trip, I went by myself to El Salvador. Mm. So I flew to El Salvador. I mean, it was arranged with the missionaries who were there. But, yeah, to go overseas by myself and had never done that and everything. And so, yeah, it was it was very scary.
0: <laughs> but you were obedient. Oh, yeah. And there was blessing from that. Yes. And I know she speaks in Spanish because when uh, Gabriel was here, he was talking to her, his mama in Spanish. She was. So but th- that's obedience, obedience at a cost. So God will ask you to do sometimes things that are perplexing and scary. But listen, did does God do that with us? He did that with Peter, didn't he? Yeah. Now, Peter asked to get outside the boat. Yeah. Have you ever asked like you've asked, Lord, use me. I want to be your hands and feet. Right. And so God says, OK, come. Right. Just like Peter. Uh-huh. Now it's your chance to step outside the boat. What if God wants you to adopt some children? (laughs) What what if he asks you to go out in the mission field at this age? Right? Whatever God asks you to do. He's he's always preparing you before you go out. So we need to be obedient. So look at what one Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As much as in obeying the Lord, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than that of the fat of rams. God wants obedience over sacrifice. God wants our obedience. Our faith correlates with our obedience. If your faith is strong, you'll be obedient, right? Because faith is what? Trust. It's trust. You're trusting that God is going to supply the need, and move you and do what He needs to do in your life. God has done that for us, this move down here, even in the past. God has always supplied the need and taken care of us. I'm amazed by what God does. And even, I shouldn't be, but I am. Every time He does something, I get amazed by it. I'm going, really? That's awesome! And God's going, well, that's just the beginning. Right? We need to think that way. Listen, I had a conversation with somebody just recently. My wife even tells me this. I'm like the half-glass-empty type guy. And then you always have that person that's the half-glass fool. And I'm envious of the half-glass fool because I'm always looking at, okay, i got to count the cost. What's going to happen? Is this really going to happen? And yet God's trying to teach me to think differently. So obedience is better than sacrifice. And that's what Daniel does. He's obedient to the Lord despite what might happen to him. John Calvin said this, all true knowledge of God is born out of obedience. Did you see that? All true knowledge of God is born out of obedience. And then C.S. Lewis said, obedience is the key that opens every door. How many doors do you want opened in your life? Obedience. Now again, obedience comes from our faith. It's not the works performance. Well, if I if I perform and work hard enough, God's going to be pleased with me. No, it's you believe and you're faithful and you love God. So you want to automatically what obey? You see the difference between that? If you're obeying to get God's approval, then it's works. But if you love God already and you've given your life, you're going to automatically obey. It goes back to what James said. We're learning on Sunday night, right? We're, uh, faith without works is what? Dead. So your faith will be demonstrated by your works, which is obedience. Did I lose anybody there? Was that a tongue twister? Okay. So obedience is the key that opens up every door. Every door that God has for each and every single one of us. Obey, obey, obey. And you obey because you love them. You do it because you want to, not because you have to. Right? How many of us have kids that they only do sometimes things that they want to? Not that they want to, but because they have to, right? Well, guess what? We're all kids of God. How many of us do a lot of things because we feel like we have to? And then we beat ourselves up when we don't do it because we think we have to. Instead of doing it because we want to, and if we make a mistake, we make a mistake because we're not perfect. Daniel is obedient, bold, and caring enough to tell the king that he is the man in the vision. Look at verses 20 through 27. So, Daniel says here, he says, um, first of all, in the middle of 19 there, my, my chapters break up in a weird way. Well. He says, Belshazzar answered, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. I like that. He's like, Man, if it just applied to somebody else, but has anybody ever given you a word of knowledge? Maybe a harder word of knowledge you didn't want to hear. Go ahead, faith. I, I need a mic. Hold on. Because there's people listening online. And they have no idea what they're missing tonight. Okay, it's the white taped one.
3: So, so, several different times during the process of going on short term and then itinerating to raise money to go for that, I had people speak words over me and all of them went together none of them none of the people knew me at all or even knew I was called or what I was going through none of it but every one of them had to do with I had to push and I had to keep knocking on the door and pounding on the door until it opened.
0: Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. I bet you, Faith, you didn't want to pound on the door. Everything in your flesh was going, but that's not me, right? It's, it's, and it's hard because you have to trust God to provide those that are going to pr- uh, bring in the funds that are going to take the pledges. Missionaries, it's one of the hardest things to, to, to raise funds. I've talked to missionaries, and I'm telling you, because they don't want to feel like they're bugging you, but at the same time, they have to raise a certain amount of budget to go over to the sea. Let me tell you, just to Bolivia alone, my friend Jeremiah and Marjorie uh, Campbell, who were in Bolivia, their budget was, yeah, they're, they're friends of mine. So you know them, awesome. Really? Oh, that's cool. Uh, man, that's a connection now. Praise the Lord. But... They had to raise $9,000 a month just to be missionaries over in Bolivia. So we need to be obedient and bold about it. You had to keep knocking on the door. You have to keep pursuing what God's called you to do. And all of you are called tonight. All of us. You may say, but I'm not in full-time ministry. No, but you're a minister. All of you are ministers of the gospel. Listen, they've already seen me at Walmart. Right? We ran into Walmart yesterday. Walmart's my place. Pick a place. It could be Atwoods. I went to Atwoods this morning. Maybe that's my other place. I'll start going to Atwoods. I love farms. I love tractors. I I ran heavy equipment for 16 years. Anything with tractors is cool to me, you know. And then my daughter likes cowgirl boots. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm going to get her some cowgirl boots, but for her birthday. But so Daniel is obedient, bold and caring enough to tell the king. Here's the deal. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. People want to know that, they, that you genuinely care for them. And that means anything in ministry, all people. And sometimes I miss it, not because I'm, uh, I am I mean to, it's just I get busy. But we need to make sure that we care about people, that we genuinely love them. So you can be the greatest at what you do, but if you don't care about people, how far is that going to take you? You're only as good as the people around you. Did you hear that? You're only as good as the people that surround you. And so we need to surround each other, lift each other up and build each other up. So going on, verse 20, the tree you saw which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing uh, uh, food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air, You, O king, are that tree. Notice he describes the tree again. He describes to the king what he is. And then he says this. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. Your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. Verse 23, you, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying cut down the tree and destroy it but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field with its roots remain in the ground let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him so now he's saying this is who you are but now one of the holy ones is coming down from heaven to deal with you now that would be scary Imagine getting that interpretation. Somebody comes up to you and says, this is what God says. Now, I'm real careful about that because we've had a lot of prophets come out. The Bible says in the last day, there'll be a lot of what? False prophets. And they'll prophesy this and prophesy that. Test them by the word of God. Test to see if it's God. Test to see if it's confirmed. If if it's confirmed and confirmed over and over again, then, then you can say, okay, now, that doesn't mean they're going to get it completely right. We do the best we can. But they should get most of it right. In fact, in the Old Testament, if you didn't get any of it right, you were stoned to death. Right? But we need to be very careful. I believe in prophecy. I believe in prophetic words. But we got to be really careful on how we receive it and how we give it. We should never do it out of manipulation. And we should be careful how we receive it. Is this of God? When I have a word or a picture for somebody I always make sure does this confirm it or if it doesn't if it doesn't confirm it at that time I tell them put it up on the bookshelf write it down or I'll even write it down for if it comes to pass then it's of God if not then cast it and let me know because I'll be on my knees repenting. and that's how we should be we should treat those gifts every gift that God gives us and we should treat it with reverence so he gives that interpretation Look at this. One of my mentors, Pastor Larry Reed, said this. A good mentor once told me, and that's him, don't surround yourself with those who will tell you what you want to hear, but surround yourself with people who will tell you what you might not want to hear. I got smiles. (laughs) That's what I love about my little kids. Little kids don't lie. And they call me on the carpet all the time. But dad, that's good. Now I don't always like it. Sometimes I'm like, I don't care, I'm dad. And then God reminds me later, no, I'm trying to correct you in this area. But a lot of times we surround ourselves with people that will tell us what we want to hear. And that's what we're gonna do in the last days, right? It Says they will go, they won't put up with sound doctrine, but they will surround themselves with teachers that will make their ears itch. The word itch means pleasing. And in fact, if you look that up, it means even stories that aren't even in the Bible. Daniel was willing to tell the truth even if it might cost him his life. Hold your spot here. This is not in your notes. Uh, in the notes here. Go with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to share something I've shared before, but I want to share it again. Look in verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus tells the disciples to go and wait for the gift the Father has promised, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which happened on the day of Pentecost. And he says, but you will receive power. That's that word, deutemus or dynamite, power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now, under the word witness, underline it, put it to the side. The original Greek word for that is martyr. What is a martyr? Somebody that dies for what? Christ. That's willing to sacrifice. So when you give your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit empowers you, He empowers you to be a martyr. Or should be, right? Now that, we don't understand that here here in the States. But overseas they do. I, 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 I implore you to go watch a video series called The Insanity of God. Have you ever heard of it? Now, uh, 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 I think his name's David Platt, came out with it through their ministry, but it's about a, a, a Baptist missionary. He got his doctorate degree, he went over to the mission field, went to Africa. Oh, and he said, I could have just stayed there. People were getting baptized and saved and getting, we, would, we had lines and lines of people. But his kid had asthma, and one of their kids died of asthma. Then God called them to Somalia, and they were over in Somalia, and there were these pastors there and these pastors only had two or three people that they were pastoring and they asked him what degree do you have and He goes, this is my degree because they were under persecution they were risking their life every day for the gospel to share the gospel with others then they went over to russia and there was a man that was in prison over there he was in prison and his his family would come visit him and it got to the point where he was dying on the table and the dad reminded and told his, I think it was his son, don't ever forget why I'm dying. It's for Jesus. And that left an impression on that child. So we have no idea what persecution is. So when you and I give our life to Jesus, we're really saying, Jesus, I'm signing up for your military called the Army of God and the Army of Heaven, and I could possibly physically lose my life for the gospel and it's really quiet in here. All right, let's go back to Daniel. So Daniel was willing to tell the truth even if it cost him his life. So number two, God's plans will not be changed. God's plans will not be changed. If God decides to do something, he's going to do it unless he changes his mind, right? But God's plans will not be changed. Does God have plans for your life and my life? Yeah, He does. Until we take that last breath, God's got plans for you. I don't know what those plans are because He works in each of us the way that He wants. Not every, not all of us are gifted the same. You've heard me speak on the Sunday mornings. But all of us have some kind of gifting. For instance, Curtis, I'm going to pick on you tonight. But he went over there. He understood the fire suppression system. I went in there and I was like, when my dad talks to me about engines, I understood the valve part, but when you start doing that, I'm sorry, man, I was lost. That's a gift. I'm, I'm serious. Not everybody has that gifting to do those things. I'm bringing that up. Thanks for letting me pick on you tonight a little bit. But it's a gifting. Not everybody has those gifts. So God's plans will not be changed. King Nebuchadnezzar was lifted up in pride. Let's look at verses 28 through 30. Actually, let's start in verse 24. He says this real quick. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree. The Most High has is issued against my Lord the King. Verse 25. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. God must have changed his intestines or something or his digestive system. Yeah. Uh, to just eat grass, man. For seven years, he would have had to have nutrients. I, I mean, could you imagine walking about? By- that was the king of Babylon? Look, Mom, there's the cow. Right? He's chewing cud. God can do that. Verse, And then he says, seven times will be will pass by for you until you acknowledge the Most High is the sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Did you get that? God chooses who is in place. We got all upset. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get political. I'm not gonna try to get political. Understand that I gotta be real careful about all that stuff. But whoever God puts in place is in place, whether however it happened, whether it was wrong or right or whatever. God chooses who He puts in place. And we may not agree with it because I don't agree with a lot of stuff. I'm just gonna. If you wanna ask me my own political views afterwards, you're welcome to. But I'm telling you, God puts people in place for a reason. Sometimes it's to wake people up, sometimes it's because of judgment. Yes. And I think our nation has turned our back on God and God is trying to get our attention. Do you know how many churches were full of people after 9-11? Churches were full of people. But how many of that was not true repentance? Because it didn't last very long. So going on, now he, he mentions the word seven times. Again, what's the number seven? Seven. It is accomplished. It is what? Finished. So God does things with the numbers. Verse 26, The command to leave the stump of the tree root with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you. When you do what? Acknowledge that heaven rules. When we become prideful, that's when God begins to cut down the tree until we come to a point where we admit, God, I didn't do it. I'm not the one that has the ability. You're the one that gave it to me. You get the glory. God will not share his glory with another. Right. Everything we do needs to give God glory. Yes. Uh, there's times I've missed it and said, okay, God, forgive me. I give you glory no matter what it is. I remember I, uh, I got to tell you this real quick story, right? I like stories. You hear me. I mean, I'm, so when I ran equipment for Tulsa County, I was all excited. and I was getting prideful. And I, Man, I'm really getting good at this, running this great all and getting the ditches. I got real prideful. I was telling guys, oh, did you see that? Man, I'm good. The next ditch I did, I tore up a phone line all the way down. And my boss came by and he goes, you just tore up a whole phone line. It doesn't look matter how pretty it looks. you got to pay attention to that other stuff. With pride comes a what? Fall. Verse 27. He says, therefore, O king... Be pleased to accept my advice. I like what Dan- Daniel says there. He says, can I give you some advice? Has anybody ever given you advice before? How about your parents? My parents still give me advice. you never stop being a parent. When, when my parents give me advice, I listen to it. That, and there have been times I haven't listened. Now, that doesn't mean always it's right, but there's been a lot of times I will listen to it. I'll judge it. And that's what he's doing. How about a suggestion? May I give a suggestion to you, right? They give you a suggestion. So that's basically what he's doing. He says, uh, be pleased to accept my advice. What's he say? Renounce your what? Your sins, the sin of pride. By doing what is right and your witness of being kind to the oppressed. Evidently, he was not kind to the oppressed. Or Daniel would not have mentioned it. Not only was pride his problem, but he was treating the poor and the widow and the oppressed horribly. That's the church's job today. We're the ones supposed to, but we the world is kind of taking that job. And then he says this. And then he says, renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the press. It may be that your prosperity will continue. He's saying, King, repent. How about us? Do we repent? Do we turn from our sin? Man, I'm always asked the Lord, Lord, help me turn from my sin. God, reveal sin in my life. And boy, do I have a lot of it sometimes. You're like, pastor, you, yeah, me. I got mad today. I was irritated today and I'm so glad nobody saw me. Verse 28, here it is. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Again, God's plans will not be changed. God knows the beginning from the end. He knows the beginning from the end. Can I say this? God knows your beginning from your end. And here's the wonderful thing. Because we're born again tonight, you begin a good work and you will complete it. I want to read a scripture here. I feel like I need to go this. Go with me real quick to Philippians chapter 4. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, now understand, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Then drop down to verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So God knows your beginning from the end. He has glorious riches in Christ Jesus for us. Those riches a lot of times are spiritual riches. How many of us want spiritual riches and to grow in the Lord? Amen. How much want to be more mature in a lot of areas? How many of us still have some immaturity that we need to mature in? Yeah, amen. And glorious riches a lot of times isn't material things. It's spiritual to grow in our walk with the Lord. Again, that doesn't end until you go home to be, you don't graduate until you take your last breath. I'm hoping my graduation ends with a horn. Yeah. Right? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. yeah, It wouldn't be like, you know, the graduation song. Da, da, you know, it'd be like, yeah, we're graduated. <laughs> and, you know, there will be pomp and circumstance that goes off. That's just, I love the way my brain works sometimes. That's just, <laughs> that's prideful. Forgive me, Lord. But anyways, going on. So all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 29. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? That's scary. Francis Chan, if you don't know who he is, God, he gets saved in high school. God uses him. His church grows to 5,000 people. He's writing books. In man's eyes, that would be a successful ministry, right? He thought so. He said until he was walking through an airport and it saw a cutout poster of himself with a big smile on his book. And he realized this is not about Jesus. This has become about me. He stepped away from his 5,000-member church went to the mission field. He still does stuff, but he stepped away from it because it became more about him instead of him. I'd say for all of us, it doesn't matter what position you're in, God help us to stay in a position where you get the glory. And so that's what he does. He gives glory to himself. He thinks that he's in that position because of himself. And yet God's the one that put him there. We are where we are because God put us there. Whether it's here in Long Grove. God put you here in Long Grove for a purpose. He put you in this church for a purpose. He put you in this community for a purpose. Because there's somebody or someone or somebodies that you need to reach for Christ. Again, it's about the... I was thinking about that that tonight. When God called me, it's not about you. It's about other people. All right, going on. Look at this, Verse 31 i got to read this. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. You talk about a moment. Man, I pray I never hear that moment. I pray that the words are on my lips. Wouldn't that be crazy sitting from the pulpit and all of a sudden, Marcus, everybody hears it. <laughs> oh, no. What did I do, God? You know, James Ryle for the, the Boulder Vineyard one time, he said he was preaching on repentance, and he was... You know, he had a church of like 1,300 people, and he's standing there and he's preaching on repentance. He goes, oh, I felt so good about it. All of a sudden, God goes, you need to repent right now of this situation in your life. Get on your knees. He stops and he goes, oh, is that really God? Somebody said something from the audience. Boom, right there. He was on his knees. Man, I hope I have the gumption to do No, Lord. please. Because last time I did that, something happened. (laughs) So... Oh, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to. Anyways. But look, the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. That's a scary thing. Pride is how people fall. Pride is how Satan fell And pride is how this king failed. Now, it's interesting. I want you to see a correlation here about the king of Babylon and Satan. Listen to this. This is Isaiah 42.8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. I like grace, the same word. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you or is concerned about you. Now turn with me to Isaiah 14. And we're going to close with the scripture tonight and we'll, we'll, we'll pick back up where we left off. But go with me to Isaiah 14. I want you to see the correlation between King Nebuchadnezzar and Satan. You guys see it? Isaiah 14, verses 1 through 17. All right, here we go. Isaiah 14. The Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Once again, he will choose Israel and will settle them in their own land. I hope I got the right one. Just give me a minute. Yeah, da, 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 da. Oh, boy. Did I get it right? Yep, that's it. Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry. I wanted to make sure I had the right scripture because sometimes I'll put it backwards. Is that dyslexia when you do things backwards? Okay. Good thing I had my shoes on right today. So the Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Once again, he will choose Israel and will settle them in their own land. That's what's happening today, right? Prophetically speaking, he did that. He settled them in their own land. Aliens will join them and unite them with the house of Jacob. I wonder if the aliens refer to us. But anyways, I don't know. Nations will take them and bring them to their own place. And the house of Israel will possess the nations as menservants and maidservants in the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and rule over their oppressors. On the day the Lord gives you relief from suffering and turmoil and cruel bondage. You will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. Now listen, how the oppressor has come to an end, how his fury has ended. The Lord has broken the rod of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers, which in anger struck down peoples with unceasing blows. And in fury, subdued nations with relentless aggression. All the lands are at rest and at peace. They break into singing. Even the pine trees and the cedars of Lebanon exalt over you and say, Now that you have been laid low, no woodsman comes to cut us down. The grave below is astir to meet you at your coming. It rouses the spirits of the departed to greet you. All those who were leaders in the world, it makes them rise from their thrones. All those who were kings over the nation, they will all respond. They will say to you, you also have become weak as we are. You have become like us. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your harps. Maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of dawn. Now let me say something. The word O morning star is the word Lucifer. You have been cast down to the earth. You have once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Let's read verse 15. But you were brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Let's keep reading on. Those who see you stare at at you they ponder your fate is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms travel the man who made the world a desert who overthrew its cities and would not let his captives go home most commentaries will say this is not only a, a word about the king of babylon but of satan himself i find it interesting go read the book of revelation in the, in the book of revelation it says mystery babylon Now, Babylon today, you can look it up, go on to YouTube. There's a really good Christian archaeologist, and he goes in there. The foundation of the Tower of Babel, that's where they get the word Babylon from, is still there today. And it reads exactly like the Bible says, 90 meters by 90 meters. That means this tower was about 300 feet tall. It was a big tower. And they call them ziggurats. So they go up in stairs, and they have a little house at the top where they meet the gods in in the heavens, is what they call it that thing has been wiped out the foundation still there but the Tower of Babel is no longer there the last days say that that's where the the end times grouping is gonna be in Rome and Babylon and we're seeing all that start to rise up you know they're creating a big city and they're creating a wall and it's actually in the territory of Babylon and it's in Saudi Arabia and it's like fifteen hundred miles long. It's funny how Satan tries to copy everything God does, because the New Jerusalem is fifteen miles, fifteen hundred miles long by fifteen hundred miles wide, and height-wise. And it's funny how they Satan always tries to copy God. And it's going to be one of these fifteen-minute cities, all tech technology cities. And the and this wall is huge, and it's like a mirror, which. Man, if you're living, I've been in Saudi Arabia, it's 118 degrees in the desert. Why would I want a mirror to reflect that heat? That's what you call shake and bake. That's chicken. We call that fried chicken here in the south, right? But that's exactly, this scripture here is pointing to the king of Babylon and to Lucifer, and that's exactly what happened to him. Pride welled up inside of him. And that's exactly what caused Satan to fall was pride. And then again, I want you to go read the book of Revelation on your own and you will see in the end times how that resurfaces. Babylon always represents the worldly system. Israel always represents the godly system. Something else real quick before we close. I want you to go Google this. How many of you guys like to Google YouTube things? you know the you know the, the the golden mosque that sits on the temple mount? Do you know in the marble is the face of Satan? Go look it up. In the marble, you know Satan was a seraphim. Well, on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, the angels face each other. On this marble is two pictures of the same face, and he's got teeth, little antennas, and just huge ugly looking eyes and it's in the marble and it's on that mosque. Well underneath that they know that's where the Ark of the Covenant sat because the rock has it still cut out where it sat. Go look that up. That's a tidbit thing but he's still trying to take the seat of where God is. He's still trying to be God and he never will be because he's God's devil god is still in control of him and he can't do anything unless god allows him so if that tells you anything if greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and if god is for us who can be against us how does it make you feel that satan is god's puppet he really is he can't do nothing without approval from god remember Job. so if this encourages you tonight look at the king of Babylon. What did he do to Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, really? You think you're you think you're powerful and mighty? Some of these kings around the world, these elite guys, they think they got it all together. They think they got this plan of saving the planet, and doing all this stuff. Whether that gets us kicked off of YouTube or Facebook, I don't care, because they're so woke, anyways. Listen, I'm not a woke person. All this stuff that they're teaching today, it's anti-biblical. It's against the Bible. If they don't like the Bible, oh, well, (laughs) that's what the Bible says. But all that stuff that's happening, it's still Satan. That's what King of Babylon did. It's pride. It comes down to pride. All right, let's close. Father, we thank you for tonight. We glorify you. I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies and just sharing uh, the stories. And Father, your word is true. And we know that you're in charge and you're the king and you're You're stronger and more powerful than anything in this universe because it says you hold the universe in your hand. You created it. You hold it together. And, Father, you said that we are held in your hand, Jesus. And, Jesus, you're held in the Father's hand. That's how secure we are in you, Lord. That you're our strength. You're our security. You're the one that fights our battles for us when the enemy comes in like a flood, you raise up a banner, and that banner is love. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That, God, you have plans and purposes for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. So, Father, we put our trust in you. Help us, Lord, to do that tonight. Help us to put our trust in you, Jesus. And, Father, forgive me for earlier about the pride. I don't want to be prideful. Forgive me, Lord, for that. I just thank you, Lord, that you're so great and you're so good to us. Be with us as we leave tonight. Again, heal those that are sick tonight, those that couldn't be here tonight. And Father, I pray that you bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Bring in the lost. Bring in the lost that need you desperately. Those that have gotten saved in here. And Lord, they, they, they came forward, but we don't know where they're at. Speak to them. Convict them. God, pour out your spirit in this place. This is your church, not ours. And we give it to you tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you.